The Republican presidential candidates had a chance to wax eloquent on the economy, Iran, and even the biblical view of marriage. We'll unpack last night's debates and get your thoughts. And President Bush is finishing up his Middle East trip. Can he, should he, push for the creation of a Palestinian state alongside Israel? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. What would you if have I'd have been the captain of the ship... I probably would have assessed the situation as it was at the time. And for those of us who were not in that situation, a second guess is a little bit presumptuous. Well, this was the Fox News debate in South Carolina last night. Uh, Senator John McCain, I thought, put the questioner, Britt Hume, who I like, uh, in his place. It was an inappropriate question in a sense. He was asking the presidential candidates if the uh, Navy uh, ships did the right thing in standing down and not shooting at the Iranian ships that were threatening them earlier this week in the Straits of Hormuz. Uh, In a sense, uh, John McCain said, you know, leave military decisions to those in the military. They're the experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. Did you watch the debates last night? I TiVo'd them, went and uh, had a little workout, came home and watched them, and they were uh, they were good. They were informative, and as we go through this primary process, it's good, again, to hear from the Republican candidates because the race is absolutely wide open. So we will take your calls today. If you've got any thoughts about the debates last night, you can go ahead and give me a call. Call 800-881-9270. In the aftermath of this answer from John McCain, sort of putting, uh, I don't know, some common sense on it, I guess you could say. Let's go to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is Admiral Mike Mullen. He told a Pentagon briefing that he is very pleased with the way Navy commanders on the scene handled the confrontation with Iranian boats. I can tell you, in my judgment, those commanders and their sailors got it exactly right. Given the overt and very threatening behavior exhibited by the Iranians, they follow procedures exactly the way they should have. Also, President Bush is in the Middle East today. He departed Tel Aviv uh, today, and as he left, he told Israeli leaders he will carry a message of optimism about a peace agreement as he meets with other Middle Eastern leaders. I'm going to share with them my thoughts about you and President Abbas and your determination to work to see whether or not it's possible to come up with a a peace treaty that will be lasting. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in the program with uh, Van Hip, who will have some opinions on this. President Bush also in Jerusalem, sort of teary-eyed, speaking to Condoleezza Rice, said that uh, the U.S. should have bombed Auschwitz. It would have, uh, I guess, avoided a lot of 
carnage and uh, that really sad legacy that took place. And so he's having this trip. He's trying to push a Palestinian state uh, alongside Israel. Is that or is that not possible? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. Well, ladies and gentlemen, well, we've got a lot to cover today on a Friday here on Jerry Johnson Live. Uh, but we're also going to talk later about a story uh, that appeared today and it's sort of an interesting question to ask. This story says that uh, obesity which is a problem in America and around the world, is a lifestyle choice. Is it or is it not a lifestyle choice? We're going to talk about that in the second segment. Uh, We'll also continue to talk about President Bush's trip and the debates, and we really want to have your input in this. But first, uh, let's go to our guest this segment. He is Captain Robert McGovern. He's an Army captain, and uh, he's been on the program before. He's also an attorney. Uh, He is a uh, former player in the National Football uh, League, and uh, he's, a, he's a Christian. He was raised as a Catholic, uh, and he also is a Army Judge Advocate General, a JAG, really cool guy. Uh, he was in Lower Manhattan on September 11th when the towers fell, and he worked the pile at Ground Zero, asked to be mobilized from his Army Reserve uh, uh, duty to active duty. So that's the background of our guest, and uh, we're going to discuss the presidential race and also events taking place over the Middle East. Captain McGovern, thank you for joining me. Benna, thank you for having me on again. Uh, it's so good to have you, and I know that you've written this book, which is a fascinating book. It has to do with your football career. Uh, and also your uh, time serving us in the military. And uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit, too. But first of all, did you watch the debates last night? Uh, Unfortunately, I did not. I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance. Well, uh, the question that was asked is really not necessary that you watched, but uh, I just want to know if you think the question was appropriate. Uh, Britt Hume of Fox News asked the candidates... Uh, what he thought of the decision made by the Navy ships in the Straits of Hormuz when they were threatened by these, these Iranian ships earlier this week. And, of course, you know, they were ready to shoot, but they didn't. So, you know, Brett Hume was asking all the presidential candidates, was the right decision made? And what I'm asking you is, first of all, was that an appropriate question? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's uh, an inappropriate question. Uh, you know, we have an open society, and we should be asking all kinds of questions like that. Um, I hope nobody, and I, I didn't see this, but I, I hope nobody uh, is questioning the judgment of the commander of that ship or those ships, because uh, they're really the ones who have the, the, the best chance of knowing what to do and what, what is the right course of action and what's not, and they're the ones who hold the lives of every, uh, every sailor on those ships in hand. So uh, I would be very hesitant personally, and I think everybody would agree that uh, trying to second-guess what that commander did would be a mistake. I think the, from what I know of the incident, it looks like the commanders uh, are It sounds like we may be uh, losing you, but uh, yes, uh, well, you are absolutely right. I was more impressed with the answers than the question because most of the candidates said that uh, you leave those kind of decisions to the military. In fact, we played a bite, which was one of the best ones, from Senator John McCain. Can we play that again, Larry? If I'd have have been the captain of the ship, I probably would have assessed the situation as it was at the time. And for those of us who were not in that situation, a second guess is a little bit presumptuous. All right, Captain McGovern, are you still with us? I am, I am, and I, I agree. I couldn't agree more with uh, Senator McCain. I think that's the exact uh, sentiment that I have and probably most everybody uh, in, in uniform these days has about what happened. 
All right, you've uh, prosecuted terrorist suspects in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and uh, we haven't talked to you really since this surge in Iraq has had a chance to work. And there was a great piece by Senator John McCain and Joe Lieberman yesterday in the Wall Street Journal talking about how the surge is working. Uh, it, it tends to be a subject not talked about too much by the Democrat candidates, and uh, it's something that was discussed in the debate last night. But give us your impressions about the surge, uh, how things are going, and uh, do you think that now there might be some talk about bringing some of the troops back? Well, I... I I think the last time we talked, uh, the surge had not had had not occurred yet. Right. Things did not look very very good at that time, and and it was actually when my book was first coming out, and a lot of people were were saying to me like, "How can you take this position that we should still be there and that we can still win?" And uh, and because of the facts on the ground, and and I what a difference six months to a year makes because the surge really has turned things around on the ground over there. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier about it. I mean, it's still a dangerous place, and there's still a lot of work to be done. But it shows that progress is being made and can be made, and that we can win this war. We can turn Iraq into a safe and democratic uh, country and, 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 and an ally in the war on terror. So I really am, am thrilled about what we've seen, and I'm hoping, and I'm only hoping and praying that whoever gets elected president, but all, the, all of our leaders uh, realize the importance of winning in Iraq, of stabilizing that country, and of having uh, allies in that area of the world who are going to be with us in our fight against terrorism. And I think Iraq is a central uh, focus of that and, and a linchpin to our success in that policy. Uh, Captain McGovern, uh, do you want to give us your maybe top two or three candidates with regard to this issue? We're not asking you who you support necessarily, but with regard to keeping us safe, uh, dealing with the threat of Islamic uh, fascism in the Middle East, and even here, who you think maybe the best three, top three, four candidates are? You know, Ben, I apologize, but I, I am still on active duty, and I'm not allowed to, to talk about uh, politics in that manner uh, as a member of the armed forces. Okay, so, we're uh, stretching I, you I, to the limit here. Sorry well, about that. That's okay. I can vote where I want to in the vote in the voting booth, and uh, but I have to keep my opinion to myself. I do think that I really honestly believe that all the candidates want to do the right thing, want the country to be safe, want to to win. You know how, what what way uh, we go about that varies from candidate to candidate. I, I'm 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 hopeful and I'm happy that what I see from all the candidates is a desire to do the right thing. And you just hope that what our leaders do any time in history is that they put the best course of action uh, in place that will make us safer and stronger in the years to come. One of the reasons uh, we have you on tonight, uh, Captain McGovern, is because we have an emphasis on one of our stations, KCBI, uh, this month uh, having to do with In God We Still Trust. And uh, so, you know, we know that you've served our country and as, a, as a believer. I mean, you are a a born-again believer. And so can you kind of tell us a little bit about what your faith means to your work, uh, sort of within this God and country subject matter that we're sort of trying to uh, emphasize? Well, sure. I mean, my faith is a big part of my life. Uh, it always has been, and, and, and the life of my family. Uh, I was raised a Catholic in New Jersey, and and my uncle's a priest, and, and, and it's uh, God has been in and, uh, and around my life. Uh, from day one, and and it's really the foundation of of everything I've done, and 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 should be. Um, I also think that just being in military service 
brings out uh, that kind of person or brings that person to the military more often than not. I'm not saying that we don't have other other uh, uh, people in the military who may not have a strong faith, but I do see it every day that uh, many of the soldiers and, and sailors and airmen and marines I come into contact with have strong faith. When you're dealing with life and death, uh, you realize your mortality, you see that uh, actions have consequences, uh, you have to have some type of base to lean on. And, and for me, it's always been my, my faith in God and Jesus Christ. Do you think uh, religion is too much in the public eye, too much uh, in the public square these days, as some people, like, for instance, some ACLU attorneys, would have us believe? Of course not. Yeah, I mean, we are a, we are a religious country, not, not, uh, not to say that you, you, if people who don't believe in really organized religion or have a faith at all can't live here, can't be you know, great Americans, but we are a, a nation, I think, in my personal opinion, that was was based on faith, built on faith. Um, and it's funny when you hear people, you know, uh, criticizing the public debate when, when religion is even raised, and I, I just don't understand that. I mean, people have the right to not be religious, and people have the right to be religious in their, in their lives. And you don't have to hide it, you don't have to lock it inside your house. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. I mean, it, it, the, people always talk about all the harm that maybe, you know, organized religion has caused to the world. And that's, that's sometimes the argument you'll hear, like, oh, the, the Crusades or this or that or the other thing brought about people fighting for God have killed more people. And I disagree with that. I, I think that secularism and, and, and regimes and, and countries that were founded on secular values like Nazism and fascism and communism have devastated the world uh, with the harm that they've caused. And, and it's but for the, the, the actions and beliefs of, of religious, faith-based people around the world of different faiths, uh, and also of Christianity, uh, in my experience, that the world is a better place and will be a better place with a faith-based people than the ideology of a lot of secular movements the world has seen. Captain Robert McGovern, thank you so much for joining us. The book is All American, Why I Believe in Football, God, and the War in Iraq. We appreciate you and uh, what you do. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, In God We Still Trust is the emphasis, and I might mention uh, that all month we're going to have guests uh, that will be able to address this issue, military guests and other experts in American history family values. Captain McGovern was one of those. I want to mention that uh, the month will culminate in a a special lecture series by Dr. Richard Land at Criswell College. He's going to be on the morning show on uh, KCBI on the 23rd and then uh, here at the Criswell College January 28th, 29th, 30th and 31st. Well, what about obesity? Is it a lifestyle choice? We'll take your calls after this. Churches all over town. Christian Radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One nation under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, Criswell College presents a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One nation under God. Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our 
responsibility to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll hear if America's past is on track with America's future. One nation under God. Listen also for extra coverage from the CRN News Team. More of the music and ministry you can trust. This month from the Criswell Radio Network. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Marriage is not a 50-50 deal where one, each partner gives 50%. Biblically, marriage is a 100-100 deal. Each partner gives 100% of their devotion to the other. And that's why marriage is an important institution, because it teaches us how to love. I love that Mike Huckabee is in this race. If he becomes president or not, he will have accomplished a great purpose in being able to speak the truth on national television time after time as he's asked these religious questions. This was from the debate last night, and Mike Huckabee was asked about a Southern Baptist Convention resolution having to do with husbands and wives, and we'll go over that a little bit more. But I just think it's wonderful that uh, he's able to really speak the truth. He got a huge applause uh, for that. In fact, it was probably one of the biggest applause uh, lines in the in the evening. But uh, in the debate last night in South Carolina, it was a Fox News uh, debate. Mike Huckabee was asked to explain the Bible passage about wives submitting to their husbands. The point, and it comes from a passage of Scripture in the New Testament book of Ephesians, is that as wives submit themselves to the husbands, the husbands also submit themselves And it's not a matter of one being somehow superior over the other. It's both mutually showing their affection and submission as unto the Lord. He was asked this question, and he first of all made a little bit of a disparaging remark, uh, saying that, uh, you know, we don't like to talk about religion. We're told not to, or we don't, uh, except for me, when you ask me these questions. And then he went on to uh, talk about uh, this passage. And is it really appropriate that he be asked these questions? Uh, especially when he's the only one asked the questions. He was basically, it was supposed to be a bit of a a moment to say uh, that, you know, I'm sort of on the fringe and I'm I'm a religious fanatic, and he totally turned it around. But I'd love to know what you think. Give us a call, 800-881-9270. Huckabee said this passage is meant for Christian marriages. It really was spoken to believers, to Christian believers. I'm not the least bit ashamed of my faith or the doctrines of it. I don't try to impose that as a governor, and I wouldn't impose it as a president. But I certainly am going to practice it unashamedly, whether I'm a president or whether I'm not a president. Another huge applause line, and the passage is Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Of course, the Southern Baptist um, Resolution talked about servant leadership on the part of the husband and for a wife ex- to accept this leadership. Uh, so it goes on in Ephesians uh, five twenty four to say, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands and everything. And uh, I thought Mike Huckabee did a great job with it. Uh, let's go again, Larry, to Huckabee, explaining that both husbands and wives actually submit to God. Marriage is not a 50-50 deal where one, each partner gives 50%. Biblically, marriage is a 100-100 deal. Each partner gives 100% of their devotion to the other. And that's why marriage is an important institution, because it teaches us how to love. 
If American citizens and Christians follow that advice, there wouldn't be much divorce. Let's go to the phones, 800-881-9270. Crystal is in Louisville. Hi, Crystal. Thanks for calling. Hi, you're welcome. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say that I think in a way that it's unfair for um, Huckabee to be asked these religious questions, especially since he is the only one. But um, I think it's an awesome opportunity for him to be able to tell everybody that, you know, not all Christians are bad, we're not all, you know, thump on your head, tell everybody you're bad kind of thing. In a sense, yeah, we're not uh, judgmental, and this was talking to Christians, this particular resolution, but it's very interesting because this does not sound uh, fanatical. It doesn't sound wacky when you hear this advice coming from Huckabee. It sounds like a lot of common sense, and so in a sense, I think it gives Christians, you know, it gives us a good view of Christians. He's really a good representative for Christ, I think, don't you? Yes, exactly. I just think that, like, it's unfair for them to keep throwing that in his face as far as him running for president specifically, because it's like they're saying, hey, you're a Christian, so you shouldn't be up there. You're a pastor. Right. They're saying that, but he's kind of turning it around on them. Thanks, uh, Crystal. We appreciate your call. Let's go to Stan in Sanger. Stan, thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, The the problem with those other people answering it, they probably wouldn't be smart enough to answer a question like that. and he answered it just the way it was supposed to. You know, the, everybody talks about having separation of um, church and state. Um, George Washington said it is almost impossible to rule a nation without the Bible and God. So we think of him as one of the greatest presidents of our time. So, Yeah, and you know what? Another You could add to that and say, as a person who's been married a long time, I don't know how you can have a good marriage without God. I mean, I know people do, but I, I think it would be hard. Well, it's you know, he set it up that way. He's you know, he's the founder of it and everything, and so you know, it's just the way it works. Stan, and thanks that's for the way your, it works best. We appreciate your calling in, weighing in today. Let's go now to Mansfield, Texas, and talk to Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Thank you for calling. Uh, hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm a college student. I get a lot of insight and wisdom from y'all. So I just. Uh, First, I just want to thank y'all for having this show. So You're welcome. Great help for me. Uh, so, but I, I mean, I really liked how he, uh, like, how he just, how like Christ gives him that wisdom to answer those questions and and really stump those people because, I mean, they 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 do that to trip him up and get him to say the wrong thing so they can be like, okay, he's a fanatic, he's crazy, and you know, uh, I mean, I I definitely would vote for him for president. But I was also wondering uh, if y'all if y'all know anything about a a candidate by the name of uh, uh, Ron Paul. Like I'm a, I'm big for Huckabee, but like also I'm uh, kind of leaning toward Ron Paul because he uh, I don't know I don't know if the right term is he's more of a, he's a libertarian. He's a Republican, like, but he is a libertarian. Right really in his right. Well, uh, Ron Paul did a great job last night. I mean, he he sometimes has a funny way of communicating and speaking, and people think he's a bit wacky. But really what he is is a constitutionalist, and uh, he takes every question back to whether the Constitution authorizes the federal government to do something or not. So whether it be spending, whether it be the war in Iraq or international affairs or just about anything, he wants the government out of our lives 
And uh, he wants the people to basically be able to live their lives according to constitutional principles. And he wants a very small and limited government. And uh, But the problem is that some people worry about him because of his position on national security. He wants us so far out of uh, the relationships with other countries and uh, sort of he doesn't want our military in other countries. He feels we don't belong there and we're spending too much money. And so a lot of people worry that he would not have a good defense policy. And so that's been the the only really conservative argument against Ron Paul. He's raised a lot of money, but he's only got maybe 9-10%. Uh, in most states. So, uh, you know, as far as electability, he's probably not. And that's another reason that people are looking at him. But I appreciate your question. Well, and I have one more question also. Uh, about the national security, uh, I was wondering if y'all would, um, if y'all would ever, like, have on y'all's agenda, I don't know, in the upcoming months, they, they issued a, uh, like a national ID card that's going to uh, take effect in May 2008. And uh, I was doing some research on that, and it's kind of like it has like a chip in it, and then the next stage is like a an actual microchip that they microchip that they have been working on, and uh, like they completed like 2004. So I didn't know if y'all are uh, going to shed some light on. That. Yeah, we can we can get a lot more information on that, and we will. Yeah. Uh, there has been a development with regard to these uh, secure driver's licenses, which we'll talk about later today. Uh, But uh, thank you for that. And Andrew, write it down as a program suggestion. And we've had others uh, suggest that that topic. So we should definitely do that. Let's go to Daniel in Dallas. Daniel, thank you so much for calling. Thank you. God bless. Um, Yeah, I went, uh, I saw actually all the candidates on uh, Fox News on after on Hannity and Calm. What did you think? Well, um, I thought. Giuliani was awesome. I thought he was great. I thought that he answered stuff to the point. Uh, when Mike Huckabee ended up stating uh, his 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 concrete, and not only his, but the biblical concrete definition of marriage, um, I stood up and I was like, amen, brother, amen. Mm-hmm. It's just terrible. It's terrible. I just got done studying government in uh, community college. It's just terrible what the government has been able to do to 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 you know to 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 marriage to the sacredness and the covenant of marriage. Well, it's and, a battle. We've got a battle for the sanctity of marriage on our hands. Oh yeah, it's a big, huge battle, and um, we really need. Uh, another Christian candidate um, to 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 be president. George W. Bush has done an excellent job at uh, you know when it came to to preserving marriage, um, and uh, we we need a president who's going to be willing and able to stand up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're absolutely right, Daniel. Thanks so much for your call. I think President Bush could have done a little more. I don't think he weighed in heavily enough on the marriage amendment, but uh, that's just my opinion. One more quick call, uh, Charles in Dallas. Charles, thanks for calling. Yes, I uh, think it's a mistake for us to complain about Huckabee getting all these religious questions, because I firmly believe that Huckabee has, is there by divine appointment and that he is uh, he has been given an opportunity to uh, to provide a witness to the world 
whether he's elected or whether he's not elected. I uh, I, I think that he's he's uh, just just given this uh, opportunity to to provide. Uh, just a, mm-hmm. a, a very what firm, a platform. What uh, a platform. Charles, thank you so much. Uh, we're up on the end of the segment. My sentiments exactly. I'm starting to believe more and more that God has placed Mike Huckabee in uh, this position for such a time as this. Now, we have no idea what's going to happen as far as, far as his uh, presidential aspirations. But the things that he gets to say and the places that he gets to say them are absolutely incredible. Well, ladies and gentlemen, more on the debate right after this. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. I'm going to trust that the president, with the information that he had and that those commanders had, made the right decision. I think we need to make it very clear, not just to the Iranians, but to anybody, that if you think you're going to engage the United States military, be prepared, not simply to have a battle, be prepared first to put your sights on the American vessel, and then be prepared that the next thing you see will be the gates of hell. That is exactly what you will see after that. That was Mike Huckabee answering Brett Hume's question about whether or not the right decision was made with regard to those Iranian ships that uh, came up on the U.S. Navy ships in the Straits of Hormuz. Of course, a lot of oil goes through those straits, uh, and uh, we've got a lot of uh, military there, and the Revolutionary Guard kind of pushed at us a little bit this week. And uh, so with us to talk about uh, these issues is Van Hip, and he is chairman of American Defense International. He does lots of media as a foreign policy and military expert. He was, in 1990, sworn in as Deputy Assistant, Assistant Secretary of the Army. Uh, he was also Deputy General Counsel for the U.S. Navy, among other things. And, Van, thank you very much for joining us. Van, it's good to be with you. All right. I don't know if you saw uh, the debate last night, but uh, this question that was asked by Britt Hume of Fox News uh, to all the candidates had to do with whether or not our ships did the right thing in holding fire, not shooting at the Iranian ships that were coming upon them. And they all basically said, I think they gave the right answer, that uh, you leave those decisions up to the military. They're the ones trained for it. But uh, what uh, you know, what's going on there in the Straits of Hormuz? Well, I think you're right. And also, i got to tell you, I like what Mike Huckabee said, and I think he'd make a great commander-in-chief. But... Uh, uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people worry about his gravitas, but that was a great answer. It's a great answer, and what I've been hearing from the grapevine, now, he's been talking to Duncan Hunter a great deal, and I think uh, uh, if you look more and more of his message as far as defense and foreign policy is concerned, it's sounding more like Duncan's message. And uh, I tell you what, a Huckabee Hunter ticket wouldn't be Ooh. bad for the country. Interesting. All right, Van. Uh, here's Fred Thompson. He gave his answer. Just a little bit after Mike Huckabee. You can't take the judgment like that out of the hands of the of the officers on the ground there. I think one more step, you know, and they would have been introduced to those virgins that they're uh, looking forward to seeing. <laughs> Pretty good line, written. Mo- uh, go ahead. That's a good line. But you know what I think? I think this is the final warning to the Iranians. And you know, when we look at which military command has responsibility, if we do something uh, uh, to to counter what Iran is doing to us. It will be Central Command, CENTCOM, just as they're really in charge of what's going on in Iraq. They own all of our military structure and would be in charge of our response in that part of the world. 
Pena, here's something very interesting. For the first time since CENTCOM was created over 26 years ago, we have a Navy commander, Admiral Fallon, as the commander. This has always been a what we think of as a land forces type of unit. We've always had guys like General Schwarzenegger, people like that in there. Why do we have a Navy admiral for the first time in history? My sources tell me at CENTCOM this was a personal decision made personally by President Bush to put Admiral Fallon in there because he believed if we had to deal with Iran, it would be a, a Navy response. So we've got the right guy in there now as the head of CENTCOM. So I think I think we're just about they pull one more stunt like this. I, I, I think they they may be saying that, oh, uh, both Governor Huckabee and uh, Senator Thompson were right. All right, the importance of Iran. Uh, it's very important, and it's sort of weighing in in President Bush's trip this week. But let's go back to one more bite from the debate. Another candidate, Mitt Romney. I think Iran represents a very serious threat. I do not believe this action was taken by rogue elements within the Iranian uh, forces. I believe it was calculated. All right, uh, Van Hip is with us. The Revolutionary Guard controls, as far as I understand, uh, the the ships that are kind of running around there in the Straits of Hormuz, and they are a bit radical, aren't they? Uh, uh, very much so, and I agree. I agree with a quote that you just played by by Governor Romney. No question, it was calculated. I think it came all the way from the top, including the uh, Revolutionary Guard leadership as well as Ahmadinejad himself. They've got serious problems in Iran right now. I'm talking uh, 20% unemployment, 80 to 90% inflation. They're trying to do things like this to get their people's minds off of how bad things are at home. So uh, I, I, I agree with that. I think this was uh, uh, this came from the top. President Bush, as I mentioned, uh, is in the Middle East, and he has a goal uh, before his the end of his uh, presidency, to get something done with regard to Israel and the Palestinians, to get a Palestinian state. And, uh, you know, some people are a little bit worried that he's going to push the Israelis too hard. What do you think? No, I, it's a tough road for the president to hold, but I think he's doing the right thing. What the president's trying to do, you've got we you've got a, uh, a, a, a an Arab leader in Mahmoud Abbas who's trying to do the right thing and work with the Israelis, I think what President Bush is trying to do is get other moderate Arab uh, countries and moderate Arab leaders to have the guts to step up to the plate and support Mahmoud Abbas in working with the Israelis. Is he going to be successful in doing that? Because Abbas has uh, recently experienced a sense of loss of uh, respect and power in his own situation there. He has, but, you know, I think the president's got no choice. The president's trying to do the right thing, and when we've got an Arab leader with the guts to stand up who wants to work with the Israelis, I think we've got to support him. And uh, I think that's why the president is there. And I think that's why the president is going to go back to Israel in May. So the, the president is going to do everything I think he can to try to keep the keep the pressure on. And uh, uh, But no question, you know, when we look at the problems that Abbas has got now with Hamas, and Hamas is in bed and their partner is Islamic Jihad, and they're getting their support from Iran. All this stuff is interconnected. The Hamas-Iran connection. And uh, Iran is really the elephant in the living room uh, with this whole trip, I think, because when President Bush goes to meet with these leaders, he went with sort of the thought that maybe Iran was beginning to cooperate a little bit. You had this report, this intelligence report, that said they hadn't 
really been developing their nuclear uh, program for any kind of uh, hostile reasons. But then this happens in the in the Straits uh, on Monday, and so that kind of brought back Iran back as a you know specter there. So what about these leaders and Iran? How are these Arab leaders thinking think about the, Iran right now? Yeah, I think the moderate Arab leaders are scared to death, and I think the president is there to 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 let them know. Gee whiz, you know we've seen this so-called intelligence report, and even if that report says that they've suspended their nuclear development activities today. That doesn't mean they can't start them up tomorrow. Uh, and also, we know they've been in bed with uh, North Korea for years sharing missile technology. They can be sharing uh, nuclear technology as well. So uh, I think the president is there to also reassure some of the moderate Arab states that we get it, regardless of what you read about in the newspaper about this intelligence report, we understand the threat that Ahmadinejad uh, poses um, uh, to the Western world and to you. All right, Van Hip is with us. Van, uh, when you join us, you usually have some big surprise, some piece of information that we uh, don't know, aren't privy to. Do you have anything today? Uh, the biggest thing, I think, is the, uh, is the fact that, 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 that this al Hira network that our government has stood up, that unfortunately the American people don't get to see because of the Smith-Munt Act, is going toe-to-toe with Al Jazeera. And every day they're getting more and more of the Nielsen ratings in and uh, – I know, for example, in Iraq, uh, they've got uh, higher ratings than Al Jazeera, and they're closing in on Al Jazeera in Morocco and Cairo, and that's big-time stuff for the long term. That's how you're going to win the hearts and minds of the young people. And the second little tidbit I've got is the president will be meeting with Ambassador Ryan Crocker tomorrow. Uh, He's our guy on the ground in Iraq, but he was our ambassador to Pakistan right before he became ambassador to Iraq. He knows that situation with Mashar better than anyone, what's going on there. I think a lot, I mean, that's going to be very interesting. I wish I could be in that room. like to be a fly on the wall. Well, thank you so much for two uh, new pieces of information. We'll be watching it, and thanks for joining us. Great to be with you. That's Van Hip, national security expert, and uh, we're always so happy to have him weigh in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I promised this story, so I'm going to tease it, and uh, you can give us a call and tell me what you think about this. The number is 800-881-9270. It's a story out today. Uh, it's about uh, obesity, and it says, as adult obesity balloons in the United States, uh, we're talking about it becoming less of a health hazard and more of a lifestyle choice. This is uh, coming from the author of a new study. He says that obesity is a natural extension of an advancing economy as you become a first world economy. You get all these labor saving advices and low cost, easily easily accessible food. Uh, People are going to eat more, exercise less. And this coming from health economist Eric Finkelstein. And uh, he's written a book, The Fattening of America And he says it's a choice, a lifestyle choice. Why would anyone choose that? Uh, What do you think? Do you think it's a lifestyle choice? Do you think people are choosing it because losing weight entails too many lifestyle sacrifices? And uh, do people see obesity as not as much of a weight problem as they used to? It's very interesting. United States, between 1960 and 2004, uh, our obesity rate rose from 13% to about 33%, 33%, so about 33% of Americans in 2004 considered obese. Globally, the study found that only Saudi Arabia fares worse than the U.S. in terms of the percentage of adults with a severe weight problem. 35% of people there 
are classified as obese. And this data comes out of the World Organization and the Organization for Economic uh, Cooperation and Development. So what do you think? Give me a call. Let me know. Do people choose obesity? Uh, Is it because they just don't have enough willpower? Or are they making a conscious choice between a, a lifestyle of enjoyment of food and uh, not enjoying exercise and uh, the health risks. I don't know. Give me a call and weigh in on this thing. 800-881-9270. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Welcome back to the final segment of Jerry Johnson Live. We've switched gears a little bit. We're talking about obesity and whether or not it's a lifestyle choice. You know, we're going to be debating health care during this presidential campaign and beyond. And, uh, you know, we've got a great medical system here that can cure a lot of the diseases that uh, come from lifestyle choices that maybe aren't so wise. And so, you know, are some people making the decision that uh, I can eat what I want because there's going to be medical care for me to take care of the after effects? Uh, Some of these experts that are looking at this are saying that people are living longer, but they've got more chronic diseases. So in a sense, even if they're living longer, their quality of life isn't as good. And that's especially true for those who are obese, because they have more limitations as they age. And uh, so they tend to have some extra health problems. Why is this? Are people actually making these choices? Or do you just have to be obese? Give us a call 800-881-9270. First of all, let's go to Iris. Iris, thank you so much for calling. Uh, you're welcome, and um, Penn, I just want to tell you that I think that a lot of the time, I don't think it's a clear yes and no answer. I think a lot of the time, maybe even the majority of the time, it is a choice because um, I've had to live healthy, and I choose to live healthy. I exercise an hour a day, five days a week, and I eat basically wow. a, a healthy diet, and I'm, uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'm over 50, okay? And I work a full-time job. So, but you can eat health. Um, I don't agree about the part of the article where it's more difficult. Um, it's because it's 
easier to eat fast food and all that. You can go to McDonald's or Burger King and eat something healthy if you want to. So I think a lot of it is choice, and it's work, and it's discipline, and that's why people go on, why we have a million diets and why people go on and off them all the time. But I also think there's a small amount of people that are, I've known one friend that's clinically obese and has been that way since she was a child, and she can eat a 1,000-calorie diet and, and, and still have a very difficult time losing weight, and she's paid the price with having poor health in her um, middle, mid, middle years. Mm-hmm. So I don't, th- I, think, I don't think you can say it's all one way or another. I think there's exceptions to every rule. And, of course, so you sounds like you've uh, read the article, which I found on the Drudge Report today, um, because you told the story of this one lady that said, well, if we live a busy life mm-hmm. and we're going to these fast food places, then we're sort of forced to eat unhealthy food. But that is really a canard now because most of the fast food entities are offering something healthy that you could choose. Yeah, that's right. So I think, but I think it's important, and I think the thing to remind long term is that if you don't eat healthy while you're young, it's not necessarily a guarantee. But your chances—I don't believe there's anything in chance because our hands, as believers, we know that our our times are in God's hands. But I think if we we're, we have the will to um, eat wisely, that we are going to, in the majority of cases, prolong our life and have a better quality of life later on. And I have eight grandchildren and two on the way, and I want to have all the vitality to um, be able to um, enjoy to keep up um, with those my kids. grandchildren and, and my life. Iris, thank you so much for calling. Let's go to Kathy in Roanoke. Hi, Kathy. What do you think about this? Well, I just wanted to say that I do agree it's a lack of discipline, and also not everybody likes to exercise, but for me, I have to disguise disguise exercise, you know, getting out there with the lawnmower and doing the push mowing, you know, instead of a rider. Um, but a lot of us don't like to exercise, and I think stress has a tremendous um, Im- amount of importance in, t- in today's um, obesity that may or may not have been addressed in that book, but I think stress is, is a tremendous um, factor in it, and I, and I don't know if he's you People eat to relieve stress. Yes, they do, and uh, that is sometimes, sometimes you have to find another way to relieve stress. That's very right. difficult. I like your idea about disguising exercise. Another way I do this, because I've just I've hated exercise all my life and had to be pushed, uh, but I found that uh, my little Nano that my family gave me for my birthday, iPod Nano, helps uh-huh. me because I feel like I could listen to a podcast or music while I'm exercising so that, you know, it could just take away some of the boredom uh, right. from it. Right. Thanks for your call, Kathy. I appreciate it. Uh, let's Love go to... Program. Oh, thanks so much. Appreciate your being part of it today. Dan's in Dallas. Dan, go ahead. Dan, are Hi, you there? This is Joanne. Oh, I'm sorry, Joanne. Go ahead. I think we misheard uh, your name. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say that I think it's overall a discipline issue. It's not just in our eating. It's in the way we dress now. People are uh, have let, take less pride in the way we conduct ourselves. And it's, uh, it's just the whole thing about being disciplined and how relaxed and... Uh, uh, you know, our lifestyles are just different than what they used to be. They aren't. They aren't. And, you know, in an effort to try to make things easy, sometimes we make things less healthy. And so sometimes eating has to be well thought out. <laughs> you have uh-huh. to make plans during the day uh, about what you're going to eat. 
Yeah, uh, you know, very true. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for your call. I want to mention, I just mentioned podcasting, and uh, you can podcast Jerry Johnson Live if you'd like to. Just go to the website, Jerry Johnson, uh, www.jerryjohnsonlive.com, and you can actually get it regularly sent down to your uh, computer, or you can uh, just listen online. Uh, and so I suggest you do that. Uh, if you miss the show, you can you can still hear it. And exercise while you're doing it. Let's go to Jesse in Dallas. Jesse, what do you think about this obesity issue? Hi, Penna. I haven't read the book. But as a person in the profession, I want to say that the uh, there is the economic impact of obesity. But there's also the health and well-being impact and the long-term cost of medical care in this country, which will be affected by this idea of the obesity issue. And uh, it's not just a discipline problem. I think also that the American public uh, and the, the fact that we're economically uh, uh, very uh, well off in this country lends itself to overconsumption, one. But also there's a lack of general nutrition education in schools for young people and has been for a long time a deficit in a, as a part of the educational process in this country. Therefore, what we're seeing is the outcome of that. And lest we, uh, also, if you look at neighborhoods where obesity is in large part uh, epidemic, it is usually in lower income communities that lack the ability, mm-hmm. where people lack the ability to exercise yeah. or have available parks and recreational kinds of activities across the country, because you can also look at it as zip code uh, obesity as well. Oh, my goodness. That's probably in the book. Listen, thanks so much for your call. We appreciate it. This is a fun subject, and uh, we'll have to pick up on it later. Uh, One thing about the presidential race is you've got that one candidate we've been talking about today, Mike Huckabee, who lost 100 pounds. You've got to remember that. Uh, and uh, so he's probably got some thoughts on this. Well, next week, Ron Rhodes will join us on The End Times. We'll also have Newt Gingrich uh, joining us during the week on his new book. That ought to be fun. Later this month, David Barton, William Federer, Richard Land, Senator Jim DeMint, and more in this uh, In God We Still Trust emphasis. But uh, on the issue of obesity, you know, um, Jesus was accused by the Pharisees of being a glutton. But uh, the Bible says that, uh, you know, it really is... A, um, I guess you could call it a sin, the sin of gluttony. Uh, and in in uh, Proverbs 23, uh, chapter 2, it says, put a knife to your throat if you're a man given to appetite. So basically what it's saying is, you know, do something to stop yourself from engaging in gluttony. And it's probably some good words. Join us next week, ladies and gentlemen, and have a great weekend. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.